All right, well, welcome to the Fats, Fuels, and Oils forecast for the week of March 29th. Uh, today, I have Ryan Standard with us. He's going to go over the low CI forecast, uh, which is our fats and oils that we have there. Uh, Ryan, you want to take it from here? Yeah. So this week, we focused in, I'm sorry, I've got some stuff on my screen here. Uh, we focused on the yellow grease and these cooking oil markets. Uh, as you can see from my, my screen, or what you can see on my screen here, you know, we're predicting or forecasting yellow grease prices to continue to increase into the summer. Uh, the same holds true with used cooking oil. And it's really uh, a combination of tight supply. Um, you know, there's limited used cooking oil that, that, that continues because of COVID restrictions, uh, reductions in people eating out, although that is um, slowly but uh, steadily improving, at least from a, a restaurant sales perspective. Uh, and, and the same thing with yellow grease. Um, uh, we, we anticipate the supply to pick up in the summer as it typically does. High temperatures tend to push FFA levels high or up on uh, on yellow or on uh, sorry choice white grease and tallow kind of knock things into that off-spec category and, and put more 15 MX 15 FFA animal fats into the market, which is uh, sold as yellow grease or can be blended with other things to make that uh, yellow grease spec product. Um, but really, the, the markets are following soybean oil. And corn, and both of those markets are forecast to move higher into the summer months as uh, limited supply continues to incur. The supply continues to increase to ration that that limited supply on both of those markets. We have big demand from the renewable sector uh, that's helping to drive the the soybean oil price as well as these low carbon intensity feedstock prices, um, and and the higher corn prices are expected to continue to raise that ceiling for the feed feed buyers as well. And we're getting into, you know, going to this yellow grease. Um, sorry, that's a forecast. Go into yellow grease versus corn. We're getting into relatively unprecedented uh, prices uh, relative to corn. Here you can see for March, we're uh, at 300, almost 390%. When I say almost unprecedented, we saw similar pricing levels back in 2012. And the market is, is really kind of behaving in that way, uh, where prices are high relative to corn, high relative to soybean oil, but there's uh, overall tight supply. And so buyers are having to pay more because there's just no, no alternative out there. Um, you could put in a little bit more corn, but uh, again, that's that's not that, that cheap either. And, or you can forego fat in your rations, but I think there's a carcass quality, there's a certain minimum inclusion rates and that continues to support uh, support prices. Um, something else that uh, figures into our forecast for higher yellow grease prices is the strong, um, call them the premium fats, so tallow and choice white grease. Uh, tallow is currently trading at, at 57 cents Chicago. Uh, we're seeing choice white at 55 cents delivered into uh, renewable fuels. And so buyers are having to be competitive with that. Um, if you have 55 cent choice white grease delivered 57 cent BFT, um, buyers are gonna be asking a higher price for the yellow grease because they know that there's really not a lot of places uh, for, the, for the buyers to go, um, other than maybe a little bit more corn. And again, um, uh, that's, that just hasn't been uh, leaned on as heavily. I think we're gonna to start to see that a little bit coming into April, but again, there's enough demand from the renewable sector, whether that's biodiesel or renewable diesel to continue to, to lift that price up. Um, moving into the second half of the year, we expect supplies to increase as the COVID vaccinations continue to roll out. People start to, uh, I guess we can say, get back to normal. They're eating out more. 
you know, there's a potential to return to, to stadiums. I know Wrigley Field in Chicago is at limited capacity, but that is a big source of, of used cooking oil for uh, some of the oil collectors. So we could start to see increased supply uh, the second half of the year that should help, you know, take some of the pressure out of the market. Uh, the same thing with the yellow grease as I touched on the temperatures. Moving into the second half of the year though, and not the second half, I'm sorry, more into the, the fourth quarter, we're expecting prices to, to pick back up. And that's largely tied to, to the growth in the renewable diesel sector. Um, you know, we've got a renewable diesel tracker. We follow the, the planned capacity coming online. And compared to now, uh, December 2021, January 2022, the, the capacity is 2.5 times what it currently is. So that's uh, expansions that are planned for the second half of the year, as well as uh, new production and then ramping up the full production on some plants that we currently think are in uh, what we call testing mode, but running at a reduced capacity. So that's gonna be a big um, boost on demand and, and continue to lift those prices. But again, they're gonna be limited by, by soybean oil values and how that relates into the uh, LCFS uh, value of credits. Um, yeah, that, that covers it on the yellow grease front. Um, happy to take any questions on, I get a yellow grease use cooking offer. I'm happy to take any questions on those or, or anything else anybody else might have out there. All right, thanks a lot, Ryan. Um, if you have questions, go ahead and drop them in the Q&A. I see two questions in the queue right now. Um, Ryan, have we hit a top on the tallow market? Uh, I think that we're getting close. Um, we may see a little bit more of a upside in, in uh, the renderer market, but currently technical is trading at 57 cents and so is BFT, which leads me to believe that maybe BFT is a little bit overcooked. Uh, I think that again, back to that 55 cent choice weight grease delivered. I think because there's this traditional kind of hierarchy of quality that uh, sellers see the 55 cent choice weight grease and say, well, then BFT should be 57 cents. Um, that is going to turn buyers away and the, the renewable sector away from tallow, the ones that are using it, that should free up a little bit more for the chemical sector. Um, and frankly, at 57 cents Chicago, there's not a lot of feed interest. They can look at other fats or they're going to use more corn. Um, uh, same thing with uh, renewables. I think that they're going to use those that can use BFT, can use choice white grease in place of it. They're going to use that or they're going to use, use cooking oil, which frankly is cheaper than BFT at the moment and has a better CI score. So. There's all the reasons in the world for users to use uh, something other than bleachable fancy tallow. Uh, so I think, yeah, we're, we're close to a top. And if not, um, Palm is gonna start to work its way into that chemical sector pretty soon as well. Okay. Um, shouldn't prices decrease with the end of Lent due to people eating more meat? Um, yeah, I... I, I I saw the gerbil going in your head there. You're really thinking that one through, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah I think that, um, you know, and the, you know, it's the, the Friday, no meat, but I, you know, I don't know how big of an impact that has on, on the market. I mean, we're expecting cattle kills to increase. So that could put, that's again, a reason for there to be some supply side pressure on the tallow market. Um, same thing, maybe on the technical edible tallow side. But, you know, I think that, that meat packers prepare for this ahead of time and that there's, um, you know, the, the, the difference in, in Linton, uh, you know, beef and pork productions. I don't know that it has that big of an impact on the supply of choice white crease and, and, uh, and tallow in the market. So um, 
but beef kills are expected to pick up. On the flip side, pork kills are expected to decrease. So that, that will uh, tighten up the choice weight increase supply a little bit. Okay. How will weakness in soybean oil affect tallow prices? How will weakness in soybean oil affect tallow prices? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that should, I mean, the two of them historically have traded loosely. Um, I mean, they correlate, I think, if you look at the R squared, um, month over month, like a five-year average, it's close to a 0.8. So there is some correlation there. With that said, um, you know, correlation and causation, soybean oil is not a good substitute for BFT and the oleochemical sector. And oleochemical is the main driver of that Chicago BFT market. So yeah, I mean, right now, if they could substitute in, BFT would be, prices would be in big trouble. Um, I think on an overall, soybean oil is a good bellwether for the overall fat market. And so if soybean oil prices stay around this 50 cent mark, which, you know, we're not forecasting it to be that low, but that will start to generate reformulations, whether that's biodiesel or anywhere else can be substituted in, it's going to be substituted in and that starts to kick other things out and starts to drag the market down as a whole. All right. Well, great answer, Ryan. Um, at what price do fats and UCO price out of renewable diesel profitability? Well, was it just renewable diesel or was biodiesel in there? Renewable diesel was the question. Uh, I have to dig into that a little bit more, but you know, as of a couple of weeks ago, the renewable diesel profitability, like on a per ton basis was like $1,400, which is very significant, even with um, heating oil, RENs and everything else doing what they're doing. Just off the top of my head, um, actually, I'm not going to do that because I'm sure I'll be wrong, <laughs> but it, it, it would have to get significantly higher for it, to, for, for renewable diesel to run into negative margins between LCFS uh, RENs and the blender's tax credit, there's a significant credit uh, generation that comes from that in addition to the fuel sa uh, sales. So it would have to get uh, significantly higher. I think what will drag the market lower is everybody else um, walking away and that creating extra supply and not necessarily renewable diesel um, pushing back on prices. With that said, Last week and, and, and the end of the week before, the drop in RIN values dropped some of those bids that were out into April and May. And so that's where we saw kind of a ceiling get put into the used cooking oil market. And like I said, if you can get 54 used cooking oil for 54 cents delivered, you're not going to pay 55 cents for choice white grease or 57 cents for tallow. And so that should be what sets a, a, a market a cap in the market. Uh, do you think we will start having a stronger correlation between UCO and soy for hedging purposes in the second half of 2021 and 2022? You know, I I see why there would be a well. I guess a quick answer is no, because I I don't they don't correlate well enough where I think that that risk is a good option for somebody using soybean oil to hedge against their used cooking oil whether it's their purchases or sales. I know that people have done this with distillers corn oil and they've gotten burned. So, you know, if you can buy, you set a contract to buy distillers corn oil at 80 or 85%, I know this isn't hedging, but, or, you know, strictly, but 80 or 85% of the price of soybean oil and you're able to do that. And all of a sudden the spot market goes to 90 to 95%, which it currently is the, you know, sales director at the ethanol plant isn't very happy that you signed that contract because you're leaving millions of dollars on the table. And so I think that some people are stung from that. People have seen what's happened with the, the soy contracts and there's gonna be some resistance to that. Uh, on the flip side, you know, we're going through IOSCO processes 
and, and have worked with uh, Stable Price to get some, some options put out there, which is offers some risk management tools. I know that there's a lot of activity in the tallow market currently through Stable Price on the, the bleachable fancy tallow, and that offers some um, risk mitigation tools. And I think that there's going to be growth in that and not necessarily uh, people looking to soy to offset their risk, but looking for new products to, to offset their risk in these uh, low CI markets that can trade, you know, willy-nilly at times. Okay. Uh, two and a half times renewable capacity by end of year is significant. Would demand be driving prices to the roof by Q1 of 2022? Yeah, I, you know, that's the question of, of the year. Um, and I think the one that is everybody is asking, but yes, I think that the demand is going to drive prices very high the second half of the year because of that, you know, tremendous increase. I think that what you're going to see or what the industry is going to see is that the, the soybean oil, the vegetable oil markets are going to be affected first because there's just not enough low carbon intensity fuels or feedstock to meet all this demand coming. And so there's going to be a big pull on, on the soybean oil and that you'll see the, the animal fats follow suit as people fill in those, those gaps. But yeah, I mean, that's not kind of a roundabout answer of weighing or roundabout way of saying, yes, you know, it depends on what that roof is though, or through the roof. Okay. Uh, lots of questions here today, Ryan. So thanks for That's hanging good. in there. Um, what is a good number to use for renewable diesel variable cost? Is it 50 cents per gallon? Uh, if they can send me an email, I'll be happy to get them a, an answer on that. I want to say off the top of my head, I think we use 60 cents for biodiesel. I don't know what the renewable diesel is. It all depends Tori on the might plant know that. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to look because I don't want to, again, off the top of my head, give you wrong information. Just want to throw out your email real quick. So yeah, they hear. it's just Ryan at the Jacobson.com or Ryan.standard at fastmarkets.com. It's the best one because that's what we'll be heading here. That's the new one. Pretty soon. Yeah. All right. Um, at what BFT to SBO spread will renewable diesel producers switch to soybean oil? I believe, and again, this is off the top of my head, I think it's seven cents. So it's, it's significant, like uh, soybean oil would have to be seven cents cheaper than BFT if LCFS credits are around 195 to $200. I, again, I'll have to double check the math on that, but I believe it's around seven cents. So it's 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 uh, significant. Okay. But, but again, the, there's a premium to use cooking oil. So I think, again, this is off the top of my head, two cents, I think, is the use cooking oil premium to BFT. So in theory, you know, in all things considered, BFT should be about two cents cheaper than used cooking oil for renewable diesel ideas. And a follow-up to that, uh, when talking about that seven cents spread, is that using crude soybean oil? Uh, I don't, it would depend on what the CI score is. So it's just a broad-based CI score based on what carb scores are for, like what we do is use an amalgamation of uh, renewable diesel or biodiesel plants to see what the CI score is. So I don't think it would matter unless there's a big, um, knock on the CI score for RBD, but yeah, and, and just for for you know purposes of uh, yeah, comparison, I would say crude gum is a better one to use because RBD I've heard is you know trading at seventy cents and you know out through midsummer, so the the demand for that's crazy. Okay, I don't think there's any risk of that trading below PFT anytime soon. A uh, couple more questions popping up. Um, can Argentine soybean oil used to make U.S. renewable diesel qualify for a D4 REN? That's a good question. Um, that is, again, that's a, send me an email on it. 
and uh, I'll, I'll research it because and that's uh, possibly yeah. Bob Lane might be a good person for that too. Correct? Yeah, Bob would be a really good person to to answer that question. And he Bob's knows, email uh, is uh, Bob at thejacobson.com. Yeah. Um, also, so the last question I have here, Ryan, uh, is um, have Yuko imports started to flow into the U.S.? There, I think there's been stuff coming from Mexico for quite a while. Uh, and, and I think that some, some majors may have some offtake agreements where they're, you know, directly picking that stuff up in, in Mexico and bringing it into the U.S. for uh, renewable production or they may be even trading it into the market. As far as I, I think the one that everybody is is watching is like the APAC trade into the U.S. I, I haven't heard of any big volumes um, taking place, and I haven't seen that show up on in any reports yet. I think the shipping issues are are really causing some problems, and and so that contributes to it the high shipping rates. Uh, but again, that's something to watch forward or watch for, you know, moving ahead. Um, particularly as, again, you know, we see this renewable diesel growth uh, the second half of the year, I should say the last quarter of the year, um, there's going to be a reach for feedstock and, and, you know, they're going to start to buy stuff away from that European material and it's Malaysia, China, and it's, it's reasonable to expect that to start to flow into California or the uh, U.S. Gulf. Uh, sounds good, Ryan. It was just about to end there, but we got one. Do we have time for one more question? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how does oleochemical and animal feed feedstocks demand compare to biofuels? Would demand from either would, would demand from either free up a needle moving amount of feedstock for biofuels? Yeah, I mean, so if and I don't think this will happen because you know sellers want to have some diversity in their um, their customer base. Just say, for example the Biden administration says, uh, we don't like renewable fuels anymore. We're all electric vehicle. Uh, no, you know, no diesel. Everybody needs to have a battery in their, their truck or their car or lorry or whatever you want to call it. Um, then you're looking at having to win back your customer base. I mean, this is pretty obvious, but, and I, this has happened before with, with policies, you know, creating tremendous volatility in the feedstock market. So I think that there's, the, the the desire to have a diverse base customer base if feed completely went out of the animal fats market and oleochemical completely went out of the animal fats market then yes that's a tremendous amount of feed stock that would be available to the uh, renewable fuel sector um, i would say that chemical probably accounts for around 40 percent of uh, inedible tallow demand um, you know that's maybe two billion pounds, two and a half billion pounds of, of tallow that could go into the renewable sector. But again, um, I don't think all of that's going to go away. Same thing with feed. Um, there is a lot of cattle. There's a lot of hogs. There's a lot of chicken out there. And when you start mul multiplying a little bit of fat across those, all those head of, uh, you know, meat that's going to come into the, the chain, that's a significant amount of fat. And technically you don't have to feed fat to animals. Um, but Consumer preferences ultimately are what drive decision making in the meatpacking industry. And so until somebody wants to start marketing, you know, I guess the all grain sector, you know, works well and, and the broilers, but uh, I, I don't know that that's uh, scalable here in the short term. All right. Kind of a rambling answer, but yeah. 
Ryan, I appreciate you hanging in there and answering all those questions. Uh, we're going to wrap up now. We'll take a video of this and we'll send it out to everybody in case anyone's missed it or wants to review it some more. Um, and just to reiterate, if you have questions specifically for Ryan, send them to ryan.standard at fastmarkets.com. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Have a good one.